This podcast is a project of the Massachusetts Cultural Council, a state agency committed to building creative communities and inspiring creative minds. Art may be the only place where this notion of, wait a minute, no, you've got to make some mistakes. Now, what are you going to do with that? If you're not making mistakes, you're not pushing hard enough. And this has to do with the fact that art is about being right there at the edge, at the periphery of the known and moving into unknown territory. Hello, I'm Anita Walker at the Massachusetts Cultural Council. Welcome to Creative Minds Out Loud. And I am so glad to have an opportunity to have a conversation with somebody I met, I think it was close to eight years ago when I first got to Massachusetts, who really opened my mind to what creative thinking is all about and how to understand how the arts really changes the way we think. Lois Hedlund is professor of mass art and uh, Lois, your book, your first book, and now I understand there's a second book, is called Studio Thinking. It's where you really delved in and took apart what happens when we learn art. That's right. Thank you so much for having me, Anita. It's a pleasure to talk to you. It's actually the same book, except that it's the second edition. It's been um, adopted by lots of people who are teaching art educators, and it's very gratifying to see that it seems to have legs. So what we did was we worked with two high schools in the Boston area that both specialize in art, the Boston Arts Academy and Walnut Hill, which is an independent school out in Natick. And for a year, we picked five teachers and we videotaped their classes. And then we went and we looked and we said, what are they teaching? Why are they teaching it that way? And then through a process of taking things that we thought we understood and showing them back to the teachers and saying, what are you doing and what are you doing it that way? They, we had a chance for them to correct us and then we corrected each other through argument. And what we ended up with is eight what we call studio habits of mind. And these are dispositions. And a disposition is something that is more than skill. So it includes skill but it also includes the attitudes that make skill dynamic, but put skill to use. So we're not teaching just the skills of these eight habits, which I'll name in a minute, but we're also teaching the inclination to put those skills to use and the alertness to know when that makes sense, when you would actually do that. So it's, it's a, a whole- huge difference. It's a very big difference. You know, if you teach somebody how to read and they never pick up a book, it's an inert skill. What's the point? You mm -hmm. wasted your time. Mm -hmm. So what we're saying is you need to teach skills in the context of their use so that the attitudes about how to use them develop as well. So let's find out what the eight habits are. All right. Well, they are in no order, and we've been very careful about this <laughs> because <laughs> some people, the first book, we had them arranged alphabetically in a line, and people thought that meant that there was a hierarchy. There's no hierarchy, so I'm just going to start somewhere <laughs> so that nobody will get confused. Um, observe is one of the habits. And so that's the skill of observing, uh, looking longer, giving looking time, uh, seeing details, changing perspective. There are all sorts of things that artists do. And in other art forms, this would be listen or attend. Um, there are different ways of thinking about it. But you also have, the, have to have the inclination to observe. In other words, as you're walking down the street, an artist takes the time to look and see a whole lot more than a regular person does. And then there's also the alertness to, oh, that's something interesting to look at. I'm going to give that some time. I'm going to use, now how can I look at it so that I actually see what's there? So observe is one of them. 
Um, reflect is another. Reflect has two parts. Uh, it has to do with um, talking about art. Artists in this day and age have to talk. They can't, uh, they can't just plan, and they have to be able to write. <laughs> so they can't just uh, make their art. It's, the art doesn't stand alone. You have to actually be able to talk about it and the ideas. So one part of it is question and explain, and that's something that we saw teachers teaching all the time by getting kids to talk to each other and to talk to them and to ask questions about what they were doing in their projects. And the other part of it is evaluate. And so that's like, how do you make judgments? It's very, very tricky in art. It's a very sophisticated thing to make a, a judgment. And uh, so we have to have to teach our students how to think about quality in ways that allows them to look at the work that they're doing now and to move it forward toward a higher quality. And that's in a field where quality is changing all the time. So for example, when Duchamp made his fountain, which was the urinal you know, that was turned down from the um, show that was supposed to be anybody gets in, but this was actually turned down. Um, it was so bad that it wasn't even allowed in. But now it's an icon of ready-made art and it led it. And that's the sort of thing that happens in the arts, that you have to be very sophisticated to understand what counts as quality. And so this is a whole disposition around making good, making judgment about quality. So observe and reflect. A third one is stretch and explore, happens to be my favorite. Um, this one I think really fits in with creativity. Uh, the idea that uh, artists are very good at walking to the edge of their competence, standing there and saying, yeah, but I want to go over there. And it's like, I don't have the skills to go there, whatever. And then they leap off and often they fall. So what it does is it turns mistakes inside out and upside down, turns them on their head. So that mistakes become not something that are shameful and something to be avoided and something that prove that you're dumb, but instead mistakes show, mistakes are inevitable. They will happen if you're, pushing if you're pushing at the boundaries of what matters. And then you use them. You use the mistakes diagnostically to understand how you could do something differently that might result in a different outcome. Or you use them as a source of new ideas. Another habit is uh, understand art worlds. And we really made this plural worlds because when we first said understand art world, we meant pretty much everything that an artist examines or works within their world. But the people heard it as high fine art, high art, uh, you know, gallery art. And we didn't mean that at all. We mean street art, folk art, community arts, whatever. And there are two parts to that one too. Uh, one part, and these kind of come from Csikszentmihalyi who had a, a theory of uh, creativity and artistry that says that there's the individual and then there is the domain which is the stuff of art, the objects, the whatever. And then there's the field, which is the people and how they interact. So we called it domain and community. So we've talked about observe, reflect, stretch and explore, my favorite too. I'm with you on that. And then understanding the art, art world, the S on the end. Yes. What's next? Four more. Develop craft, which also has two parts. One is about understanding technique, um, the materials and tools of the domain. And the other is about what we call studio practice. And that has to do with how do you care for the tools and materials and works of the domain. 
big, big thing in art education because if you have somebody who goes into a, a studio course and they take art and they're supported by the way the classroom is set up as a studio, then they may go out of there and never make art again because they don't know how to set up the mm. environment that produces. So we need to teach kids how to begin to make an environment that supports their artistry, that supports their creativity. And that's what the studio practice part of Dale Upcraft is. Then, and this is a really important one, just because this is the one that so many times people would think this is what it really is. We're teaching craft in an mm -hmm, art class. Mm -hmm. And it's important to say, yes, we are teaching craft, but we're never teaching it alone. We're always teaching it in conjunction with these other things. It's like we're developing craft by stretching and exploring, or we're developing craft by observing and then envisioning, which is another one, and then we develop craft, or we use craft to express, or whatever. But it's never done in isolation. When it is done in isolation, I think it's pretty much malpractice. Um, and the other thing about developed craft is it's not just using craft well, it's the inclination to use craft well. We have to build kids' desire to use craft to say what they're trying to say in their artwork, to convey what they're trying to say. And we have to make them be alert to times when craft is an important consideration and times when it's not. There are parts in the artistic process when if you're thinking about your craft, it'll just freeze you. You'll be absolutely paralyzed and you will not be able to make art. Um, engage and persist is the next one. I love that one too. Um, people tend to kind of go to the persist part and think it's all about discipline and sustaining attention and it is all about that. You really have all sorts of strategies that artists do to come overcome blocks and to keep at it when it's hard and I always think that um, we should stop saying Protestant work ethic and say artist work <laughs> ethic you know, because I've never seen people work harder than artists. Yeah. It's amazing. But the engage part is really important. And so often, particularly in schools, there isn't a discipline that's saying, what do you care about? What matters to you? What is it that fascinates you or perplexes you or that you're really curious about? And the arts go directly for that. Mm -hmm. So engage in the thing, find the thing that matters, and then persist at making work. Two more, uh, envision. Envision is sort of the opposite of observe. Observe is you look out into the world and you see stuff. Envision is what you see in your head. Imagine? Yes, it's like imagining. It's, and artists have all sorts of ways. There's conceptual drawing, there's thumbnails, there's storyboarding, there's brainstorming conversations, there's random games, there's all sorts of, there's drafting and revising, there's critiques, there's all sorts of things that happen. Envisioning I happen to love. And it's kind of also on the opposite of reflect because envisioning, you're envisioning in the simple system of the art form. And so in reflect, you're using words. And then the last one, which is not the last one, but it's the last, the last one, one in this circle about. we're talking about today is express. And express is more than just expressing feelings. Express is about meaning. And meaning is that art means something. Art is a way of conveying something that is hard to say or maybe impossible to say in words. Isadora Duncan, the dancer, said if I could say it, I wouldn't have to dance it. <laughs> and so it's like Express says, yes, we have to say this in the symbol system of the art form. And we're going to use our craft to say that, to express the things we're trying to say. So, but again, it's not just, it's, you're going to be going back and forth between craft and Express. So one of the things that I'm still 
is running around in my head, which was the very first thing that you said, was, okay, we, we understand the meaning of the eight different habits, but how do you become inclined toward them? How do, how do you, is just merely knowing them move you toward inclination, or, or how do you teach inclination? Yeah, it's a very good question because it is not the same way that you teach a skill. You can teach a skill didactically. It's like, come over here, honey, I'm going to show you how to cut with this mat knife so that you don't cut your thumb off. <laughs> you know, but it's like, I'm not going to show you how to be inclined. Yeah. Um, so inclination, as, as near as I can understand it, and this is sort of what I've seen and what other people have done and what I do, is first of all, be passionate yourself. When teachers are modeling their own passion, curiosity, inclination to act, to make, to do all the time, um, that's a way of building a culture of, in your classroom. It's like you're building a studio culture in your classroom. And the studio culture is one where people are talking to each other about their ideas and asking each other questions. So the social component of the studio is what motivates students to be inclined a lot of times. Also, the passion of their engagement. So it's you find the, the passion, it's one friend of mine calls it the um, artistic itch. Um, and it, it, is, it does feel like there are things that are just, you can't get over them. And then you nurture that. It's like, okay, if you are curious about that, if you're wondering about that, how can you explore it? How can you do research on it? How can you figure out how you feel about it? How have other people made out about it? All of those kinds of things. So I think inclination is a cultural thing. So uh, the book is Studio Thinking. It's out in its second edition. Mm -hmm. um, is it available if people want to pick up a copy? It absolutely is available. Yes. So just go online? Yep. Amazon's got it. Everybody's got, everybody's got it. It's still around. Very easy to get. Well, it's amazing work. I was amazed the first time I heard you tell me all about it because it, for the first time, sort of diagnosed something that happens but never really took it apart and told us what was happening yeah. in an art classroom. And um, while it seems magical, there's a real, there's some real um, logic to it. There's a, there are things that need to happen to have a great art experience. Yeah. Um, and uh, as I said, it was, it was so illuminating when you told me about it the first time. So uh, Lois Hedlund, professor at MassArt, um, thank you very much for joining us today. It was another, a pleasure. Another creative mind out loud. <laughs> to learn more about this episode and to subscribe, visit creativemindsoutloud.org.